Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you, and enjoy. Well, grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to another episode of the St. Basil the Great Catholic Church Brecksville podcast. I'm Tommy Dome, parish staff member here with Father Ryan Mann. Our Hello, administrator. everyone. Good to see you all, or I guess talk to you all. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about Lent, which is really on our minds and really on on Father Ryan's lips, because he still has sprinkles on oh. his lips. He just ate a donut. It's Fat Tuesday while we're recording this, and we didn't get any punch keys, so I had to go get a donut. <laughs> <laughs> He just went and got a donut. And why, why'd you get a donut on, on Fat Tuesday? It's, there's a, tr- a Polish tradition uh, of punchkis, which are just really heavy, extra doughy donuts. And you do it to celebrate. The idea is that, you know, ever heard of Mardi Gras, right? Mardi Gras, you just kind of live it up all right, the day before Lent. So you're feasting like crazy before you enter into the great fast. Well, we are going to take Lent seriously in this podcast, and we hope that you do too, this Lent. I was reading a biography of St. Francis of Assisi, and on the back cover, I only read the back cover of books just to get the idea. Yeah, I was going to call him Frank, so I get it. (laughs) (laughs) And and it said that St. Francis of Assisi took God seriously, and that really stuck out to me. I really really like that. And what happens when we take him seriously and the things that he said seriously. But we're going to take this liturgical season seriously. But that doesn't mean we become serious and stern. It just means there's a weight to this. This matters. There's an Mm -hmm. opportunity we don't want to blow. Yeah. So we're going to talk about what the world or most folks think Lent is all about. And then we're going to talk about some of what the church has to say and the spiritual masters of our tradition have to say about Lent. Awesome. Yeah, you know, Tommy, you've been doing ministry a long time, and so have I. And I think the the general impression, at least this was in my life story as well, is that Lent is kind of about like the great season of willpower. All right, it's kind of like a uh, I'm going to do the hardest thing and do it for 40 days and show that I could do it. And uh, the irony, right, is that like first off, that almost never works. Middle of March, you're always like, oh, what did I say I'd do, and how did that? <laughs> uh, but also, it's actually that that disposition is is the opposite of the disposition that the season of Lent is trying to facilitate. So if willpower is about me getting built up, look how strong I am, Lent is actually a kind of a season where we're meant to really be in touch with how small I am, how weak I am, and that I really need help and new habits and to grow and like any seedling, growing happens very small and over time. So it's not aggressive season or a stern season. It's really a season of more and more surrendering to the Lord. And there's a, another distinction to be made there between I'm going to do something for God <laughs> and then the flip side being God's going to do something for me. Yeah. You know, I love that, Tommy, because it's that is the difference between really – a modern spirituality and the biblical spirituality. The modern spirituality is I'm going to do great things for God. And there's something with like once the Lord's given you like gifts and graces, you want to spend them generously for him. But the first move is always God's. And we see it where in the first letter of John, chapter 4, verse 8, we hear, this is love, 
Not that we love God, but that he loves us and sent his son as an expiation for our sins. So what is love? God pouring himself out in Jesus. Or the Blessed Mother, she says, she doesn't say, all generations are going to call me blessed because I did amazing things. No, she goes, all generations are going to call me blessed because the Almighty has done great things for me. And so Lent is really about kind of noticing where we're uh, attached or attuned to things that aren't of God. And we're going to intentionally remove those to create a space for more and more of the light and love of the Lord to bathe us. So doing something for God is a great thing. Yes. Yeah, you want to do lots of great things for God. Yes. But and sometimes we need mm-hmm. a little gut check to say, what have I done for God lately? What have you done? Yeah. But <laughs> at the same time, that's not first. Yeah, that no. is the response. Because God loved us first. He's the initiative. Everything is our response to him. And actually, the way we could see Lent is just that, is that Lent is God's gift to us. And that what we do with our Lent is our gift back to God. So he gives us this time to say, hey, do you think you're ready and perfect to stand in my infinite glorious presence? And we all go, eh, just give me a day or so. <laughs> and he's like, well, how about 40 days where you begin to say, okay, you're going to give me this time and the scripture readings and the prayers of the church and the practices so that I can actually become the kind of man or woman that is kapox dei, capable of God. And so it becomes God's gift to us and our response and participating in the season actually becomes our gift back. And that becomes that communion, that loving relationship. How does emptiness fit in here? We've got dryness. We've got deserts. We've got emptiness. Yeah. I just first want to say like emptiness is really a scary place, right? When we feel inadequate in a situation – Man, our egos flare up with masks and all sorts of activity to hide that we are poor or empty. And that's why it's so beautiful in St. Paul's letters to the Philippians. He says, even though Jesus was in the form of God, he did not claim equality with God, some to be grasped at, but rather emptied himself. And so this emptying is the idea of what is it that's filling me? Well, my judgments, my timing, my ideas, my plans, my pleasures, my wants, my will, my calendar. Everything I'm trying to shove into the God-sized hole <laughs> yeah. in my heart, exactly. which is an infinite-sized hole, and <laughs> nothing created can fill an infinite space. Yeah, nothing, uh, The best creation can do is numb us, but it's not fulfillment. It's just numbing. So we don't feel that emptiness anymore, that longing. And then once those creature comforts, if you will, fade, we feel it all the more. And so Lent is really a time to say, blessed are the poor. You are really in a privileged place if you are feeling that lack because biblically, wait three days and the fullness of glory, Jesus himself is going to be filling it in new ways, showing you how he wants to constantly keep us in this dance between poor and he's rich. He blesses, we receive, we bless him back, that interplay back and forth. And Lent kind of draws us very sometimes painfully, sometimes humbly into that poverty, into that emptiness. But only so, if this is a fasting time, we can feast on how he is actually blessing and providing. Yeah, about the poor, one of the ways that they are blessed is because they are in touch with their own dependence. Modern us, we probably want to be independent. We don't want to owe anybody any money. We don't want to be indebted 
financially or otherwise. We don't want to be owing people favors. It's like a burden. It hangs over our heads. But there's something about the dependence upon God where we learn to trust in him Mm. and what he's up to. Yeah, Tom, I'm just thinking as you say that, like how technology bombards us with this lie that we are in charge. We can fix anything. I mean, do you remember time of growing up, like if you were bored with a TV show or something like that, that was it. Like you have maybe one or two shows on that you could watch or you had to suffer through a commercial. Mm. Now you just binge watch Netflix and no commercials. It's amazing, right? We had to suffer through something we didn't want to then participate in something we actually did want. And so there's that idea once again of like having to wait on another is a form of poverty. I mean, God bless the men and women who reach out to this parish for St. Vincent de Paul for help, whether that's with bills or money or food. And they reach out and we have an amazing team of volunteers, St. Vincent de Paul, that helps them. But sometimes there's a day or two gap between when they ask for help and when we can get it to them because we have to make sure the recipients are really needy, are really in that posture. And that's a tough time. Sometimes they'll call two, three times because it's hard to wait. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a form of poverty. And Jesus is saying over and over again, his number one teaching is the Sermon on the Mount. Of the number of that number one teaching, the high point are the Beatitudes, of the eight Beatitudes, the very first one, the bottom rung of the ladder to God, blessed are the poor. Meaning happy are those who have the freedom to say, you know what, I'm in a place of poverty. I, I need some love. I need forgiveness. I need God, all these things. And, and Lent strips away the facade that we're rich, we're fine, I'm basically okay. And we can do it on our own. Yeah. yeah. And it's scary. And that's why as a church, we need to be tender with each other because the person next to you in the pews may be really scared about their poverty. And we need to say, hey, here at St. Basil's, it's okay to be poor. So we've talked about the emptiness and the preparation, but what are we preparing for? And what will we eventually be filled with? Cadbury eggs. <laughs> I was in the store the other day uh, with my oldest daughter, Cece. I'm like, Cece, have you ever had a Cadbury cream egg? She's like, no. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's a dad failure. And they had, <laughs> yeah, totally. They had, they only had like a Cadbury caramel egg. And I was like, oh, what is no, this? No. And really nobody in my family likes caramel. So, and they didn't have any Cadbury cream eggs. Do, now, like, do, when you, do you eat the whole egg, Tommy, when you eat it? Uh, no. Yeah, no one does. They just eat the white good stuff and they eat oh, a little bit mean of chocolate. Oh, you don't even eat the chocolate? No, you eat the, a little bit of the I chocolate. I thought you meant, do I eat it whole? Like, oh. just put the whole thing in my <laughs> mouth. No, no, no. Like, I take a bite off the top and then I really lick out the sugar cream oh, inside. Gross. And then maybe one other bite of chocolate <laughs> and then I toss the rest. It's I'm wasteful. It's true. I do it. That's what I do. Uh, so, Lord have mercy. Uh, but I do love that inside of Cadbury egg. So... <laughs> so, so what are we gonna, filling? You're going to get a bunch of Cadbury cream eggs. Oh, yeah. You? No, everyone, hey. Don't. Yeah. Yeah, don't. Because he's just going to waste them. Just, <laughs> and yeah, I. It's we're trying to slim down a little bit here, you know. <laughs> um, but okay, you asked the question. We're emptying ourselves. What are we meant to be filled on? All right. Before I answer that, kind of a caveat is there's 40 days of fasting in Lent. All right. Technically, if you're really, really about the calendar, it's like 46, 47, but it's like a symbolic 40, Okay. But then there's 50 days of Easter. So the church is a celebratory church. We love feasting and celebrating. But oftentimes we think that the ham and the egg salad and the friends is actually going to satisfy that God-shaped whole rather than it's a little, little, little taste of the banquet of the communion of saints and God in heaven. And so what we empty ourselves of is trying to turn creatures into the creator. 
of trying to turn things into God that aren't God so that we can feast on God and the ways God is providing for us to have celebrations. So good example is, uh, I mean, this happens with kids and hopefully as we get older, it gets a little more refined, but a kid who gives up candy for 40 days, that first piece of candy if you want to look at it from like a neurological science, their brain is like July 4th. It's, it's like, bing, 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 bing. Like, <laughs> they're feasting on, I gave this to God, and now I can actually receive this part of creation from God. So the pleasure and the goodness and the enjoyableness of this thing is now leading me to God. Lord, thank you so much for sugar. Thank you so much for this delicious thing. So we're feasting on our relationship with God. Imagine if we appreciated the small things in life all the time, not just after we've given it up. I, I read a saint's book, Tommy, that I forget who it was. I think it might have been Teresa Lasso. She was thanking God for buttons, <laughs> like buttons. And I thought, well, now you're just getting kind of ridiculous. <laughs> but like she realized like what a joy or uh, like what buttons gave her the ability to do. And she's like, oh my gosh, there's a thing called buttons. And I'm like – Wow. It's a lot different than like the Miss America gratitude thing when she gets her gratitude speech, right? Like the saints are sincere. They're not just trying to be good little saints. Sincerely, she was moved with, God, thank you for buttons. It keeps my, I don't know what she was thinking about that, the habit in place or whatever. But that's the idea of all of creation is the Father's gifts to us. But we don't always relate to it that way. And so Lent is a time to empty ourselves of that entitlement and that graspiness so that open-handedly, poor he could fill us with his riches. But in between those two times, there's a long waiting and that time of waiting and trust and hope, ooh, all sorts of insecurities can come up and it presses on a lot of stuff. All right. Well, we've been talking some big, big lofty concepts here about preparation and emptiness and fulfillment. But let's talk about Jesus's passion and death mm. because Lent ends on the evening of Holy Thursday, once the evening prayer begins. We've got these 46 days leading up to the Last Supper, which was just Jesus's farewell speech. So how does Lent play into this preparation for that? I think it can help when we realize that ever since Genesis chapter 3, men and women have been separated from God. Not like totally, obviously we wouldn't exist otherwise, all right? But in the sense that there has been a real break in that relationship that God planned for all of humanity and all of creation at the very beginning. That was ruptured, right? And ever since then, men and women, actually the biblical imagery has been wandering in the desert, right? We have been separated, looking for our homeland, right? With this great holy nostalgia, we kind of know what we're looking for, but not really. And there's these moments where we think that's it, but not... But really, what happened there was we were lied to by Satan about who God is. We thought, oh, he's not a loving father. So we stopped trusting him. We did our own thing. Now we're alienated in a life of sin and selfishness and hurt and violence and regrets and pains and wounds and unforgiveness. Did God do anything about that is the main question. When he looked at humanity, saw all the pain, and he can see everything at once. He saw all the pain. If you're listening right now, God saw your pain. The father saw your actual life, not cleaned up your real life. And the question is, Father, did you do anything? And he did. He sent Jesus. The antidote to all of that chaos happens on Good Friday. Jesus suffers and dies. So he takes on all of the sins of the world. 
He takes on all of the lies and the attacks of the enemy, all of the powers of darkness, all of the pain and evil. He puts it to death and he rises gloriously on the other side to say, I now have claimed victory over it all on your behalf. Lent, all right, baptism is the first thing that submerges us into that paschal mystery, it's called, the dying and rising, to receive the medicine, the antidote that God gave. And then the sacraments and a life of faith and virtue growing in that. But Lent is a time where, if you will, we narrow in. For my first year of priesthood, I decided to get a personal trainer for about, well, I paid for six months, I went for a month. But I, um, <laughs> and uh, I remember he's like, today we're going to work on triceps. I'm like, for like 40 minutes? He's like, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> I don't think I've ever worked on them ever, but just, just one body part for 40 minutes. He knew that like to work on one part at a time is how you're going to develop your whole self. So Lent is a time where we narrow in on where in my life have I not surrendered totally to the Lordship of Jesus, allowing his death and resurrection to claim victory in my life and change me so I can live in union with him, being more like him to everyone I meet. And so that's kind of the the big vision of what Lent is leading us to is a greater participation. That's why Lent is meant to help us not just free us from our love of candy, but help us to realize that you know what? Maybe I can't even be freed of it. I'm so attached. I really do need a savior. Lord have mercy. And then he does. He has mercy. Well, this is one of the places we wanted to get to was this, this part of the story and how Lent fits into the story. Because it is easy in our Catholic faith to sort of get lost because there's so much. We've got 2,000 years of tradition. We have tens of thousands of saints interceding for us. We have all these liturgical seasons and feasts, and it's easy to get lost and lose the narrative thread. Jeff Cavins, a Catholic Bible teacher, he puts it like this. You just feel like you have in your mind this huge heap of Catholicism. It's just a huge pile of good stuff, but you don't see how it all fits together. And so when he looks at the Bible, he says, we have to make sure we keep hold of the narrative thread. Like if you've ever gone into a cave, okay, cave exploring, sometimes there'll be a rope and it's because caves are slippery, hmm. right? With dripping water. And back and, guano. And <laughs> there could be, <laughs> could be back guano. And, yeah. And uh, so a rope it can be used so you hold on to the rope so you don't slip and fall and hit your head on a rock or something. And even in the dark parts of the cave, you still can hold on to the rope. So even if you're a you feel lost or it's dark, you still have the rope leading you forward. So this is why part of Father Ryan's ministry here and priesthood is to keep us into the story. Make sure we know where we fit in the story it's still being written and there's a, there's an ending and it should be a beautiful one. Right. Right. And yeah. Lent fits into that. We you know, I think too, Tommy is like, this is good to say. So Jeff Caven's a, a great Bible expert and a great evangelist of their faith. He's alive now, but you know, almost any saint that had to feel the pressure of trying to pass on the faith, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, almost all of his writings are, are really God creation, the fall Israel, Jesus, the church, sacraments, and then the end times. He's always keeping this thread going in everything he's writing. And it's because like this college kids know this. Like if you talk to your college kids, say, what does someone when they come up to you at like a coffee house? What do they say to you? And they'll say this, hey, what's your story? 
Because they know to know you, I have to know your story. To know God, I have to know the story. What's God done? What's he doing? Why does it matter? And in this case, what it matters is there is something called everlasting death. And Jesus came to offer us the hope of everlasting life. And I don't want, I don't want to be separated from loved ones forever. I want to see him again in that glorious thing called the communion of saints. So I need to follow the way, which is Jesus himself. Something that you mentioned a couple of minutes ago about, you know, working on one muscle group. Uh, time and time again, Catholic spiritual writers and saints have said throughout the millennia that if you work on one virtue, you work on them all. And if you just focus on patience, then you will be working on everything else because all the other virtues come more easily once you've learned how to master one. We have a new puppy in our home. Okay. We've what's, had your, what's your puppy's name? Puppy's name is Beckett, named after St. Thomas Beckett. Nice. And once we teach him his first trick, like sit, which we're doing pretty well already, all the other tricks are going to come more easily because he'll know how to pay attention to us, which is a big thing, how to make eye contact, how to know when we're communicating. That's part of what Lent is. If we take too much at once, if we try to do too much at once, if we bite off more than we can chew, then we're more likely to fail and be discouraged. But if you can hone in on one thing and grow in self-mastery in that area, then all the other things will be a little easier later. Lent is a big preparation because saying no is hard. Like saying no is hard. Saying no to yeah. temptation is hard. And if we can say no to little things a lot and a lot and often, then we become stronger in that area. Mm -hmm. We can say no to a bigger thing later. All those small no's are for a bigger yes. And Tommy, in light of that, I, th I know you and I were talking this morning because you went with me to get my donut, even though you didn't have one. <laughs> No one likes donating alone, but um, the uh, we were going to have this conversation about sometimes we can think like, all right, I decide, let's say, not to have double stuff Oreos uh, for all of Lent. That's also a good description of hell in my mind. But nonetheless, all right, let's say I give up double stuff Oreos for all of Lent. What does that do with like the homeless person in East Cleveland or how does that change the corruption of China? Like – because sometimes we get like the macro and micro levels, but I mean, we were kind of talking about this a little bit. So like, how do those things go together? How does giving up like double stuff Oreos and is it automatic? You know, those type of things. We were kind of talking about it a little bit. So I just want to continue that conversation for everyone now. Yeah. I was reading a novel a year or two ago and the dedication, you know, that like first page in the book, the who yeah. you're dedicating the book to, the author dedication goes like this. For those whose sacrifice is hidden in the heart of God, those whose small choices shift the balance of the world. I'm going to read that again. And the word small is in quotes. For those whose sacrifice is hidden in the heart of God, those whose small choices shift the balance of the world. I think it's easy to look at, you know, maybe it's a, we think it's a small thing we're giving up and think, you know, does this make a difference? 
Like what difference is this going to make in my life or in the world? And sometimes we're not even thinking that it can make a difference in the world. But one of the most potent, just deep, inexhaustible images in the New Testament is that of the body of Christ. It is so profound. Right. Yeah, right. We're all connected. And that's so when Tommy says the body of Christ, he doesn't just mean the Eucharist when you come forward. The Eucharist actually is meant to nourish you into more deeply the body of Christ that you became a part of in baptism. Maybe think of it this way I am not just Ryan Mann, I am a part of the Christ, which means I am united to Jesus the head. So I have all of his divine life and nutrients and grace and beauty and power and glory and mercy flowing to me. Yeah. Think about John 15, 5, the vine and the branches. Vine and like branches. That same life flowing through the vine is flowing into the branches. Yeah. So it's in me, but it's also true through, with, and in Jesus, I am connected to everyone else he's connected to. And St. Thomas Aquinas adds, and everyone he wants to be connected to because I'm tapping into Jesus. And so- it's a powerful thing. And saints get this. If you've ever been around saints, they understand that like their prayer is affecting the world and their sacrifice. You know, the word sacrifice sounds like I have to suffer something. It, it means offering. That's what the word sacrifice means. Sometimes, something of value. Yeah. So like I can't sacrifice – like it wouldn't matter if I gave Tommy a, a can of beets. Like I gave up beets for Lent. I hate beets. All right. I don't care if they're golden or you made a beautiful salad or you got to try my beets. I ain't trying your beets. I don't like beets. All right. It wouldn't be a sacrifice. But if I offer something to the Lord, it's all throughout the Bible. I can offer it in the name of another person that I'm connected with or in the name of a cause or an evil I see. I offer it to the Lord as an offering on the altar of my heart and even at mass and even the liturgical season of Lent. And what we, it is great. There's this beautiful African-American woman I met in East Cleveland. And she said, Father, would you pray with us? I said, sure. And she goes, no, no, I'm going to teach you how to pray. I said, okay. <laughs> and she goes, prayers go up, blessings come down. That's how it works. And it's so true. We offer things up and graces pour down. And so that tapping into Jesus and those little offerings like the beginning of that book, it can, it can like rain down on the whole world. And saints show us this. Do you want something done in the world? Saints will say, all right, let's fast this week for that cause. And, they'll and all of a sudden, man, hearts are transformed. Sinners repent. Think clouds move away. Rainstorms have been moved. All because of the humble, contrite heart of the saint. And we're not going to know the effects of all of our prayers until we die. Not the full effects, no. And people will say, oh, you're the one. Like, you're the one who helped change my life, and I never knew you. And we lived mm -hmm. on different parts of the world. Tommy, there's a uh, – I think I've said this before in homilies, but his name's Monsignor John Essif. He's in his early 90s in Scranton, PA. But as a young priest, St. Padre Pio was his spiritual director. And then he became one of the spiritual directors for Mother Teresa. And he said Mother Teresa always told him, Monsignor, you need to have a, a map of the world in the room you pray in. And he's like, Why? He's a very stern man. He's very funny. And he's like, why do I need that? And she said, because you need to be reminded that your prayer in your life affects the whole world. Mother Teresa wasn't this just sweet little person just doing whatever she could for anyone. She realized by picking up this leper and loving him and by praying with her sisters in the morning for the Blessed Sacrament and by fasting from all sorts of pleasures for her whole life, she was affecting the whole world. 
She was not operating out of a little small thing. She knew in union with Christ, I can change the world. And that's what she taught people. And so this is kind of the same thing. I, by giving up double stuff Oreos, like, and I, by the way, I can't believe there's not only double stuff. There, there's <laughs> even an option still. But by giving those up, right, and really giving to the Lord, and when I have that longing every time saying, Lord, I give it to you, I give it to you, I give it to you. First off, my ego says, I'm going to die, which is a lie I have to face. I will not die. Mm-hmm. But and this- when you fast, your body sends a message to your brain. You are starving and dying right now. Yeah. And it's a lie. It's a lie. It's not true. Because it goes away in 20 minutes and you're still alive. Exactly. Exactly. And then as I offer this to the Lord, I realize, oh my gosh, I am Jesus alive in the world, offering things to the Father as he offered his sacrifice on the cross. I am participating in this, Christ in me, me in Christ, for the sake of the world. And this is for you if you're 95 and in a nursing home. This is for you if you're 16 and in a youth group. It's for you if you own a business or you're out of work or you're married or you're divorced. This is for you. This is the dignity of being the baptized. That is, that's why I love that, that line in that book dedication, because your small choices can shift the balance of the world. If you think this world is going down the tubes right now and you feel like the balance is that evil is winning, it is our small choices made in union with God's will, offered up as what seems like pitiful little sacrifices that can shift the balance of the world. Because the savior of the world doesn't come as a, as a politician or as a warlord. Or, or anything. Celebrity or, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, the fame, no. The honor, the wealth, the power, it didn't come from, from the top down in an earthly sense. Mm-hmm. It comes from the top down in a spiritual sense, like from heaven. But the way he works is through one human heart at a time. And you have that human heart. And you have everything you need to be holy today because you have free will. And that is all that is needed to love is free will. Mm-hmm. So your small choices, and they don't have to be small. Mm-hmm. But we're saying small can be powerful. Yeah. And if small can be powerful, imagine when you do something big for God in response to his gift. That can be mega powerful. All these conversations, they can seem weighty. You can just be saying, "Uh, Father, Tommy, I just kind of wanted to just maybe pray a little bit more this Lent. And uh, wow, okay. (laughs) Uh, But it's so important. I mean, many of you know Tommy here at St. Basil. He's been here almost 15 years, I think. Right, Tommy? More than more than 15 years. And some of you are starting to get to know me. Like, you know, we're kind of playful guys. And so there's going to be no such thing as holiness for Tommy Dome or for me where playfulness isn't going to be a part of it because that's our personalities. Right. And so I wanted to ask Tommy this question, which is, Tommy, what do you think is one of the goofiest or funniest things you've ever sacrificed to God or given to God, like a fasting, a penance? Like, could be for Lent or just another time in the year. And, and as you think about it, I'm going to tell a little story about you because I knew you in uh, about 17 years ago. 17 years ago, Tommy Dome shared with me he had trouble paying attention during the rosary. And so in order to keep his attention, he would pray it out loud with different a- uh, accents from different <laughs> cultures throughout the world so that he could keep his attention. See, what I love about it is, okay, it's goofy. It's playful. That's not going to be any sort of manual. 
But Tommy knew he wanted to be attentive to Mary and trusted her, but he also knew he had this trouble of paying attention. So he used his sense of humor to pray the rosary with different accents as he prayed the rosary so he could be attentive to the Blessed Mother. So that's a personality of Tommy, and I love it. So I want to know, Tommy, what's a, what's something else you've done that's kind um, of goofy? Well, the day my second daughter was born, uh, well, before before she was born, I didn't have time to prepare for this question, so I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to ask it. So let's see. Kara was in labor and I was in the food court <laughs> eating French fries because I decided I'm going to give up French fries because I love French fries. They are one of my favored vehicles with which to bring hot sauce into my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and so I gave up French fries for, I was just like, I'm just going to give them up a long time. So for like, the first two and a half years of her life, I didn't eat French fries. I think only once or twice because somebody bought them for me. Um, I don't know. That's that's kind of weird. Nice. Last Lent, right before coronavirus hit, it was a good Lent. I I bought an avocado every day, and I ate one avocado before four p.m. And that's all I ate till four p.m. each day, and. My spiritual director, he's always trying to get me to write stuff down, like write down a thought or do a journal. And I just hate doing that. I'm really bad at it. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to read the daily readings and write. You know that rock in the middle of an avocado? Yeah. That huge thing? That pit? It's just so big. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to write with a Sharpie, like a word or a phrase that God is speaking to me through the scriptures. <laughs> So I started collecting, you know, these rocks. Yeah. I'm just keeping them. And, I'm, and then I'm like, you know what? I want to mail them to this guy, this priest <laughs> spiritual director. And he's going to get them and not know what's going on. And it's just going to be this big box of rocks <laughs> with words written on them. And I'll be like, what is happening? Come to find out, after about 10, 11 days, they start to get this white mold on them. And it's pretty nasty. And they start to fall apart. <sighs> It's also, what's interesting, they have the uh, a skin on them, like the rock does, uh-huh. and if you cut it or peel it, like, wherever you dent it or slice it, it, it turns red around it, just like, hmm. a, like a wound. Like a wound, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, that's the heart of the avocado, and you've got this bleeding. It was very powerful spiritual so i don't know that's that's kind of weird and then i told him i was like i was gonna mail you all these things but i think i would have given you a a disease and then coronavirus hit so i may have started the whole thing (laughs) with moldy avocado pit rocks well this is what i like about this and i think it's important for all of us in our walk with the lord is you have to be you okay i can tell you right now I ain't doing nothing with avocado pits (laughs) okay like but that's a tommy domeness right there and God willed each one of us as us. And of course, as we grow closer to the Lord, parts of what we thought was our personality fades away and other parts get clearer. But we all have ways of relating to God, of being authentic. And as you enter Lent and you're living out Lent, you got to make sure you're doing it as you. I remember the hardest Lent I ever did. I, I drove the speed limit every day. Okay. Now, okay. I am not anymore. I really am not. Thanks be to God, like uh, just driving like crazy. But there was a time in my life where uh, I was living in a video game in my mind. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I was racing places. And I was like, I heard someone else had done that the year before. And I thought, all right, I'm going to do that. And uh, the hardest thing about it was I had no idea how long it took to get to places. 
So I was late everywhere. <laughs> just I'm just like constantly being late. And then like, then I had to deal with that whole thing. Why were you late? I'm so sorry. I was driving the speed limit. <laughs> it was just, just like, well, when do you normally drive? I don't, apparently not that. And, and I found the toughest speed limit to drive in case anyone's wondering is 35 miles an hour. Because you're not in a residential zone where 25 makes sense because it may be kids, but you also don't get to go 45. It's the weirdest spot. Start noticing where the 35 mile per hour signs are and you're like, oh, no, I could go way faster. Um, and, but it was – it seemed like, once again, something so small, but I offered to the Lord. But I remember by the end of Lent, I started enjoying my time in my car. It wasn't just this time I had to just push through. Mm-hmm. No, this was real parts of my life. I'm alive. This is These are minutes and hours of my yeah. life that I was wasting, just got to get somewhere. And I was like, I could relax and enjoy the scenery. And I never knew that house was like that. Or, oh, look at these people. And then seeing people drive crazy around me on the highway. And I'm like, those people are terrible human beings. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm judging me and them. And it's like, what's going on? Yeah. It became... The sacrifice isn't just an offering to the Lord that affects through the body of Christ the whole world, which is true. Another part of it is if you look into what you're sacrificing, you start seeing things you're learning about yourself yeah. and others. You're like, man, I really offering. I need to be a little kinder to people, and I'm missing out on some beauties. So, what are your words to folks who choose to do something and fail? Uh, good. Really good. Like, don't, like, this isn't a diet that you all of a sudden are going to gain your calories back. You really are that small. I was going to pray every day and I just decided to sleep in. Yeah. Like, you really are that little. You need that much help from God. And it's not a place of condemnation. You know, my friends who have kids like this, they have a two year old and they, and they want to get up on the couch. They go up, up, up on the couch, right? Up. And, and their inability to get on the couch isn't a reason for condemnation. It actually is what stirs my heart because I get to provide for her a way up. Similarly, God isn't like, oh, you need what? No, he's like, oh my gosh, finally, you let me love you even here. And so if you're failing at it, something you picked, and you just feel like, I am just messing this up, turn to the Lord right there, right there in your poverty, in your weakness, in your littleness, in your neediness. One of the Psalms is my favorite line in one of the Psalms, I am poor and needy. But how often as adults do we say that to someone else? Never, because <laughs> we don't want to be needy. Uh, you don't want to be yeah. that person. But like- Oh, that that's, that sounds weak. God, yeah, it's like gross. <laughs> like, yeah. But God loves it. weak guy who yeah. got crucified. Oh, but like, yes, yeah, exactly. And so, but God, God the Father is a good dad and his heart's moved when we're like, I can't even stop eating Oreos or I can't even not watch TV or I can't like say only kind words to my spouse. I'm constantly tearing them down. I need that much help. And when our hearts become humble, contrite, broken open like that, that's when you'll see St. Basil's Church filled top to bottom because nowhere else in the world do people find such a rich and sincere humanity and it radiates Jesus. It's beautiful. Because it's the real us. Yes. And it's not the the pious us we try and convince God we are. Because God doesn't love imaginary people. <laughs> like the imaginary perfect saint I want to be, God doesn't love that person. Because mm. it's an idea. God loves real people. Yeah. And the me who fails, that's the one he loves. Yeah. You know, maybe when Triduum is around the corner, or maybe right after Easter, we should do another little one of these explaining 
Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection and how that plays into our salvation. That's awesome. Because it's something that a lot of folks don't quite know. Yeah. And you heard Father Ryan say that Jesus took on the sins of the world. But he did that as a free sacrifice, offering something of value, which Mm -hmm. is himself. And what could possibly be more valuable than the life of the Son of God? made man mm-hmm. so it's the a most amazing perfect unblemished gift offered back to the father but we don't want you to think that god was angry at adam and eve and all of us since and he's going around saying you know what somebody's gonna get it somebody needs to be punished who's gonna be punished it's got to be somebody oh. in order you know to fulfill justice and then he punishes jesus that's not Catholic theology. Some other Christian denominations have that theology, but it's unfortunate because it makes God look like a cruel tyrant. It makes God the Father look like someone who would punish the innocent, Jesus, and acquit the guilty, us. But what do you call someone who punishes the innocent and acquits the guilty? That's that's not justice. No. That's cruel. That's a tyrant. That's not a loving father, which is the one that we really have. Yeah, I, I think the I think we go, we're going to Tommy. We're going to do that. Let's we're going to do a podcast on that. Okay. Yeah. How are we saved? Who can be saved? Yeah. Especially honing in on just particularly what does the cross of Jesus do for me in the 21st century? <laughs> like, what happened on that? Why is it so matter to me today? And if there's like if that's something that really can transform my life and finding more and more beauty and joy and goodness. How do I get it? What do I do? Like, what's that response? Where, where's that being offered? Yeah. If God is so powerful and could have saved us in any way, why did he choose such a painful, bloody one? Yeah. What lessons can we learn from the fact that that's the way he chose as the instrument of our salvation? All right. Well, that's for another day. Final comments? This is the time for final comments. I love final comments. Yes. All right, final comments is no matter when you're listening to this, uh, hopefully in the early parts of Lent, but no matter when you're listening to it, uh, don't forget to participate in the communal aspect of Lent. We talked a lot about as individual believers, but you know we are the body of Christ. And so when we gather together in prayer, it's more powerful than simply when we pray alone. We need to do both, right? Just like husbands and wife, they need to come together and be one, but they also need to have like their own lives because they're individuals and persons. So when we come together, we got Monday night's evening prayers at St. Basil's. Please check those out. We also have the first three Mondays are Deacon Dave talking to us about forgiveness, three Mondays in a row. So to free up our hearts, maybe we can offer the heart to the God to God uh, places of unforgiveness. That's a beautiful gift to give him. Tuesday nights are confession six thirty seven thirty. We will have an extra priest here, so three priests here in confession with adoration of the Eucharist. Wednesdays is uh, adoration. Thursdays we're going to take a day off so that we can just be at home and kind of regroup. And then Fridays are stations of the cross and the weekend mass liturgies, and all of that leading up to, of course, uh, Holy Week. And we will have uh, all sorts of things offered then. So look yeah, on new the, things, new things we've never done before. Yeah, brand new things actually. So check those out. Be on the website. You'll hear more ma- announcements at mass. If you're a parishioner, you should be getting something in the mail in the next few weeks with uh, the calendar of all these dates and opportunities. And if you haven't followed us yet, follow us on YouTube. I put out a weekly video of upcoming events as well as a spiritual thought for the week every uh, every week, usually on Thursday or Friday. It comes out there. So check that out on our YouTube channel. Yeah, we need you to subscribe to YouTube. And this is a way to evangelize. Like the share button may as well be called an evangelize button. That's one of the ways you evangelize in a digital age. 
And so when you subscribe to YouTube, when you like our follow our Facebook page, when you subscribe to this podcast or share our social media posts about it, it gets a wider reach. But with YouTube specifically, if we get about 50 more subscribers than um, thousand subscribers. Final comments for you, Tommy. He's very excited. He's, I think God is, is kind of giddy about the things that he wants to accomplish in us this Lent. Why don't we end with a little quote? I don't know who said this quote, but I do enjoy it a lot. If not you, then who? If not now, then when? And if not for the kingdom, then why? Man, always See, I've, se- I've heard that quote, but the end part's on there. You added so, that in part. I didn't. I just Tommy you know, Dome added it. That's a Tommy Dome edition. Pinterest. I don't do Pinterest. <laughs> I don't do Pinterest. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, here's a little blessing for all of you. God, our Father, you desire to give each of us a Lent that would move us to nothing but gratitude come Easter. But we know that means that there's a lot of breaking down and challenges we have to walk through. So father us through it all. May everyone who listens to this, Lord, be touched by you in their heart in their relationships, and their family. And may all those who are still suffering from isolation, loneliness, meaninglessness during this time, may they find in this podcast the beautiful truth that Jesus is sitting right next to them with all of the graces and all the blessings they need to realize they are a part of the body of Christ. And they too are a part of the equation for bringing the world back to you. Through the intercession of St. Basil, the Blessed Mother, and this year has been given to St. Joseph. So St. Joseph as well. May God bless you with encouragement, mercy, and light. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit go in peace. Thanks be to God. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church, Brexville. St. Basil the Great. Pray for us.